We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Awesome. How about we lift our hands? How many know we need to pray? Thanks, guys. Yeah? We need God's help. Thank you, Stephen. How you doing? Good. So come on, let's lift our hands. Father, we thank You this morning. We love You so much, Jesus. And I pray and I thank You for the Holy Spirit that's within us, that reveals truth this morning, God. And Father, I thank You, Lord God. We may have read verses before. We may have come here as a liturgical exercise because that's what we do on a Sunday morning. I pray we've come here to encounter Your presence afresh this morning, God. And Lord, as we stand here with hands lifted, we simply recognise that we can't do life by ourselves. But Father, we need You and we honour Your presence in this place. We honour you, the power that You have to translate what I would say into people's hearts this morning and change us from the inside out. And we thank You for all that You're gonna do. In Jesus' Name we pray. Come on, everyone said, Amen. Come on, let's lift up one more shout of praise to God. Woo! Amen. High five your neighbours. You take your seat. Give them a fist pump. Blow it up. Cool. How are we doing? Man, the 11 o'clock crowd. Ready to go? Like, <clears throat> 11 o'clock crowd's ready to go? Yeah, come on. You guys have had the biggest sleep in, so we should be ready. You've had the big lazy breakfast, the eggs, the bacon, Right? Yeah, <laughs> why are you all cracking up at me? This is church. I think church. I think church should be just a little bit of a little bit of cheeky, right? I, I always, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I usually say stuff that's you know. Afterwards, I have to rethink it and go. Oh, I shouldn't have probably said that, but so you may hit, catch a few of these. But I think church needs to be fun, doesn't it? We've got to know why we come here. Vision nights are great places to be. DNAs are great things to go to because you've got to know why you come to church. We can't simply do it because that's what we do. It's not good enough. It's good that you're here, but we've got to know why we come because if someone asks you why you go to church, you're like, I don't know, it's Sunday morning. It's what we do. It's what Christians do, but they don't, oh, I'm not a Christian, so how do I know why you come? And it's good for us to be able to know that, but it is cool to be here in Dunedin, the deep south, a few degrees cooler than the Hawke's Bay which is usually really warm <laughs> and sunny, but it is cool to be here. You've got wonderful people, wonderful leaders, and uh, Pastor Will and Desiree uh, are, are genuinely great friends of, of my, my wife, Fiona, and I. And we first met them in London, uh, going back probably 14, 15 years ago now. And uh, we were just all a pretty raggedy bunch back then, didn't know what we were doing with our lives. And now here we are, preaching. Scary, right? We say yes to God. Yeah, look out. <laughs> probably, but um, it's a lot of fun and I love what we get to do. Uh, I love being part of the Equipus Church family. I really do. I just, I, I, I feel so grateful for what we're a part of, for Pastor Sam and Kathy and Pastor Bruce and Helen and they're all up in London, Acts Conference Europe, about a dozen, 15 nations coming together across Europe and just amazing what God is doing around the world. Uh, I don't know how many are going on missions teams, but um, you know, I'm leading a team to Calcutta again this year, November, and uh, just, the, just man, I don't know who's been to India, but it does something to your heart, right? <laughs> you come back and you're never the same again when you see some of the things that you see. And how many know this world needs Jesus? Yeah? yeah? Needs the hand, our hands and our feet, needs our heart. 
And uh, so best thing we can do is keep ourselves on mission. But uh, yesterday I caught a plane and I've got my little son Abe here with me. Abe, say hi. He gave me a wave. Uh, Abe's three. We call him Abelicious in our family. Uh, you can hashtag that and take little photos of him. But, but yesterday, we, Abe and I caught a plane, and this was us on the plane. And uh, we didn't catch one. We caught three planes coming down here. So he had a lot of fun. He's like, he, I think he thought we were doing just a massive round trip back home because when we got off the third plane, he's like, are we home now? It's like, no, we, no why, why would we do that, Abe? And so this was us. But then the same day, uh, I'm married to Fiona for 16 years now, and I've got two other kids, and this is Fiona. On the same day, she was with my son Zane, who's 10, who's almost 10, and uh, Seth, who's seven and a half, and they were on the plane to Tonga uh, yesterday. So half the family, or three-fifths of the family, is on our way to Tonga. She leads our medical mission trip in Tonga, and we've got a great team. We've got the Jake and Justine and their family over there as well, which is cool. And so there's a whole bunch of people. Isn't that cool, just living life on mission? I love the fact that it's Father's Day. Sometimes we can kind of say, oh, Father's Day, we better be together as a family on Father's Day. Well, none of us even thought that. In fact, it was by accident we go, oh, hang on, you're actually going to be there on Father's Day and I'll be down here on Father's Day. But uh, (laughs) that's all right. I'm fine about it. (laughs) But isn't it cool living life on mission? Amen. That's what we need to live, a life on mission. Life on mission. I think birthdays can come and go, but I'm kind of like, we'll celebrate it next week. But come on, we've got a call. We've got one life to live. Amen. So come on, let's not go too fussed around dates. I don't know why I'm talking about dates, but uh, that's my family and they're wonderful. And, uh, but you're my family too, and I love being with you, and uh, it's so fun that we get to do this. Amen? Amen? Come on. Cool, let's open up our Word. So these aren't just my thoughts that we're talking. You haven't heard a motivational message. That's not what you come here for this morning, but we've come to open up the Word of God. Matthew 21, 12 to 17 is what we're going to read from this morning. Matthew 21, 12 to 17. And if you found that, you can put a place mark in there and also go to John 14, 6. Going to read out of two passages this morning, and I'll keep it simple. I often say I preach really simple, but really I don't have another go-to. That's all I do. (laughs) You know when people go, I'm just going to keep it really light for you guys. It looks light and airy, you know, that's all I can do, right? I'm a bit of a one-trick pony. I've learned what I'm good at, and I've learned what I'm not. I tried one day, you know, Tim Keller, Reverend Tim Keller, in the church, and you were a great theological teacher. And I had a thought from his that I was trying to expand upon one day. And I'm in the middle, and I realize I don't know what I'm doing. I need to get out of this now. <laughs> so I closed everything down, and we just did a big altar call, and people got saved in spite of my idiocy. And so I'm thankful that I know what I'm here to do this morning. But here we go, Matthew 21. I'm reading in the message version, so good luck trying to keep up with me. But here we go. In verse 12, it says this, Jesus went straight to the temple and threw out everyone who had set up shop, buying and selling. He kicked over the tables of loan sharks and the stalls of dove merchants. He quoted this text, My house was designated a house of prayer. You have made it a hangout for thieves. Now there was room for the blind and the crippled to get in. They came to Jesus and He healed them. Verse 15, when the religious leaders saw the outrageous things he was doing and heard all the children running and shouting through the temple, Hosanna to David's son. They were up in arms and they took him to task. Do you hear what these children are saying? Jesus said, yes, I hear them. And haven't you read in God's word from the mouths of children and babies, I'll furnish a place of praise. How cool is that? I'll furnish a place of praise. Fed up, Jesus turned on his heel and left for the city of Bethany where he spent the night. 
I love, they love Jesus being fed up, just turned on his heel. Mic drop, boom, he's gone. That's it. And so that was Matthew 21. Also John 14, 6, if you know this one, it's a great memory verse. In fact, let's read it all together. Can we do that? Together, together, everybody's with me. All right, here we go. Let's read it. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Thus saith the Lord. That's the reading of the Word. Amen. If you want a title for this message, I'm pretty lame at titles. I try and think up clever little things that you can remember, but they, they don't work. And so, but I have a title, and the title, if you want one, is It's Time to Refurnish. And oh, no, it's brilliant, right? Look at that. Boom. Just let that sit for a bit. I think most of you are just meditating on the deepness of that. But it's time to refurnish. You can tell your neighbor, it's time to refurnish. Maybe husbands are talking to wives or wives are talking to husbands. Come on, it is actually, seriously, time to refurnish our house. Well, here's your opportunity today. Time to refurnish. I love, I love um, uh, shows on TV uh, that are about real life things. You know, reality TV. Like I know it's kind of, there's some silly stuff out there, but I love life. I love people's stories. I love when people tell me interesting things, right? Real life's real life. It's actually amazing. Most of the movies coming out now are about real life because we can't imagine the most incredible things, but when we talk about real life, when we look at someone's life, we go, wow, you live that kind of life. And in my life, my wife Fiona and I and our three boys live at home. Uh, that's good, we live in a home, so there you go. That's for free. But we, we, I don't know about you, but we're terrible at kind of uh, sort of arranging our house. There's like a bed, you know, in the corner there and, and we sort of, I suppose we put a little dresser there and, and then if we buy anything, we kind of just sort of put it there and, and, and we're just those kind of people that you come into a house and it's, you know, it's tidy and it's sort of clean, but it's kind of just, I don't know, I think we just look at things. I, I look at other people's houses and I go, wow, how do you keep this place so clean? You know, sharp edges on tables, like you can't have kids, right? But you come into people's houses, maybe it's, but, but there's people I know with children that I come in and I go, wow, your house is amazing. And they kind of think, <laughs> and you know, you sort of feel like, how have you just, everything about it is like, they're not interior designers yet, the house is just like, wow, how do you do that? How do you keep it like that all the time? And, and for us, it's not like that. We have this, we live in Napier, which is Art Deco Central, and we have this old piece of furniture that's kind of handed down in, in the Fiona's family that was sort of, you know, when the parents sort of said, hey, why didn't you guys have this? And I'm like, looking at Fee like, and she's like, yeah, we could probably take it. And now it sits in our lounge and it's kind of houses, you know, colouring in things for the boys and stuff like that. But anyway, we sort of just dumped it one day and then we sort of thought, this looks really weird. I mean, I'm the kind of person that could set up the couches and then all of a sudden watch TV like this. Like, why, am I, why can't we, can we, you know, arrange it differently? And so we got Leanne, who's a pastor in our church, and I said, can you come around to our house and just help us kind of redecorate things and move things around? And she said, oh, you need to do this, and that needs to be in the center of the room, and then you can put those. And she got all of our stuff, which is still the same stuff, but made it look amazing, you know, those people? Like, how come I didn't do that? You know, when Pastor Steve Graham preaches from the same verse that you've read 20 times, and you're like, why didn't I get that kind of revelation, Steve? Just like that. But I do like a show, I do like a show, I don't know if you know, Million Dollar Listing New York. <laughs> right, my sister? That's brilliant. 
It's brilliant. And and I love the show. And, and this guy, Luis, was trying to sell this. <laughs> Luis like this high, full of energy, right? But he was trying to sell this house for $6.5 million. And, uh, and people are coming, and it wasn't really selling uh, because it was empty. So, you know, you come into an empty home, and you kind of go, and unless you're like that kind of person that can kind of visualize it, I can't. And I'm like, it's just an empty home. And so what they had to do was they had to stage it, right? These guys know where I'm going. That's why they're saying, yes, amen. And so they staged this house and they spent about $30,000 putting in furniture. So staging is like you chuck rugs in and artwork on the wall and you walk in and you imagine, wow, I can see this house. My interior design friend is over there in the corner laughing at me because she knows how useless I am with this stuff. But they'd stage the house and you walk in and you go, oh, oh I, love, I love the hall runner. Oh, I love that artwork. And you kind of go, oh, this could be my house. You know, oh, I love the bed. Oh, I love the shag rug. I don't know if we still love those things or not, but, you know, and you look out and you just go, wow, this place is amazing because it's none of it's my stuff, right? <laughs> my stuff's, the, you know, torn and the neck curtain is just like hanging like this. And, and you know, the people look at, they look at our curtains and they're like, oh, there's a few little runners that are loose. And, you know, you've got those big pockets of sticks out and sort of the end of it always like, yeah. Like that, you know? But it wasn't like that. I look at this place and I go, wow, it's amazing. But they stage this place so that you go in and you imagine what it could be like living in this house. And so I want to think that our house, the house or the temple, what Jesus was in it, it represents what our heart's like. It always represents a position of our heart. In the Old Testament, if you remember, God, the Holy Spirit didn't move like He did in the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, uh, people did amazing things like Samson, right? Did amazing things, amazing feats of strength because the Holy Spirit moved upon him and then came off him. And that's what happens. But in the new covenant, we have the presence of God living on the inside of us every single waking moment and every single sleeping moment. So we get to take the presence of God in every single environment and we carry around His presence. And so the question then is what are we furnishing our lives with? What are we furnishing our lives with? So if we go through this passage, just briefly, it says this in verse 12, Jesus went straight to the temple and it says He threw out everyone who'd set up shop. How many know we've got things in our lives that we need to throw out, right? You've got stuff at home you need to throw out. I love biffing stuff, right, at home. I never replace it though. A house just gets emptier and emptier. But I love throwing stuff away. When we first got to the Napier Church, this stuff, I just said, has anybody seen, used this before? No, we haven't. Then just chuck it away. Oh, but we might use it. I don't care if we'll use it one day. I'd rather buy it again if I had to with my own money, but it's going. <laughs> chuck it away. We ran to the tip so many times. I used to know Dave, who used to, I used to pay the money to. Oh, Jake, is it you again from Napier Church? Right, yeah, that's us again. We're continuing to just chuck stuff away. Right? I love it. You know, when you stand over the edge of the tip and you just get the big broom and you're like, it's all going. Yes. It's just like freedom. <sighs> Sorry, I got a little carried, carried away. Where am I? I don't even know where my notes are anymore. But he says here to throw some stuff out. We've got stuff in our lives, attitudes, things that we need to work on that we need to throw out, right? Are you with me? Yeah, all got stuff like that. Some honest people. Good. And it says he threw out everybody who'd set up shop buying and selling. So again, how many know when we come into this place, we're never going to sell doves in here. 
because it's weird anyway, and you wouldn't do it now, right? <laughs> Come into church and, oh, we're selling doves today. Yeah, it's a Saturday, it's market day, and we're going to sell doves in here. We weren't going to do that. But the reason we're not going to do it is because God designed this place to be a house of God. This is where we come in collectively and we worship God. That's what it's for. That's what it was built for. But you are the church. When we come in, we come in. You are the church that comes in to celebrate God. Without you, there is no church. It's not this building. This building is simply a facility to house what God wants to do in our own lives. But he was saying, God was saying, this wasn't what I had intended for the temple. This wasn't what it was supposed to be. Dove selling and loan sharks, right? And there was all manner of horrible things. Prostitution would happen in the courts of the Lord. And it was just like, what is going on here? And so he says, my house was designated a house of prayer. and You've made it this hangout for thieves. So he chucks everybody out, kicks over tables, gets the broom, all going to the tip. And then he says, now there was room for the blind and the crippled to get in. And they came to Jesus and he healed them. So now there was room. He created room for this to happen. How many know in our lives, we've got to get rid of stuff. Why? Because it helps us, but also it creates room for God to move, right? That's why we do it, because we want to help people. We want to help a broken humanity. Jesus had to clear everything out. So think about your garage, which I seem to clean all the time and constantly go on and I go, why is it still like this? I don't have, you know, hooks of everything and, you know, the whole spanner set. I don't, you know, I just like, if it's, a, if it's a nail, I'll just chuck something on it, you know, like, oh, put that on there. But it constantly, every time I open it, I'm like, it's back to where it was again. I need to keep chucking stuff out. But that can be so much like our life. You know, in the corner of our garage, we've got all of our fences lined up, things that we're upset about. We can't get past them because we're trying to move to the back. And, you know, oh, there's all my unforgiveness over there, Right? There's all the things that Pastor Will said that I didn't like, but it was from the Bible and I'm really upset about it. <laughs> right? But I know it can probably help me. I know it's truth and I know I should do those things, but I still don't want to do those things and it's really hard and like, ah, get out of the way. Right? And we're cutting through all this stuff. Right? And it's exhausting and we're just fighting against ourselves. Right? You know those things, though. Or simply not doing what God's called you to do. A whole bunch of disobedience stacked up at the top there. And all these things that we need to chuck out. But here's some things that I've learned. I'm going to go through some things that I've learned from my children. Is that okay? Because the boys, my boys certainly teach me a lot of things. But in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way. So to do all the stuff, we need a bit of help. And to connect with God is kind of the way that we start to kind of get rid of these things in our lives because we need God to transform us. Because the reality is I can't do it by myself. I'm not strong enough. I can't white knuckle it. I don't have enough willpower to push through those things, Right? I'm not weak. Well, I am weak, right? But it's in my weakness that God makes me strong. That's the reality. So we've got to give God our weaknesses. We give God our weaknesses and we say, God, take all those things, but we don't want to give Him our strength sometimes, right? We can say, take all the stuff I'm really bad at, God, and fix it. Do what you do. I'll deal with all the good stuff, though, because I'm okay with that. (laughs) God's like, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. You've got to give God everything. But He says He's the way, the truth, and the life way, the truth, and the life. So when we become, when we get saved, we become, the Word says, we behold, we become a new creation, right? Old things, all of our old furnishings have all passed away, right? So our couch, thank you for my couch, it's going to the grave, you know, and we say the you know, prayer or the benediction or flowers on the 
couch and we say, your couch, you're now dead and buried, right? You're now gone. Thank you, Jesus. Start to put the dirt on the couch, right? That's an area of our life that we just need to bury, right? I said with my, <laughs> with my interns, I'm a pretty relaxed guy, right? I don't get upset about a lot of things. If you've done the strength finders thing, I'm, I'm positivity is one of my things. But just before shout last year, uh, shout this year, things got a bit tense in the office and I'd asked the guys a few weeks ago to do some stuff and I reminded them and then we get to the point and, and, and there's a sort of vaguely aware that everybody's looking at each other apart from me. And I'm like, guys, have we done this thing that we talked about? And it's sort of like, and everyone's like, who, who, who's to blame? <laughs> and then, and you know what I said? I'm not proud of it. But I said, you guys are doing my head in. That's all I said. Oh. That's all I said. That's what I said. You guys are doing my head in. And then I had to take a little walk around the block with a Mars bar. <laughs> oh my gosh. <sighs> right. But that's about as upset as I get. I know you're probably thinking a lot worse, right? It was like, I do that all the time <laughs> with my wife. But, I, but how many at times we kind of do stuff that we don't want to do? For me, that's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I apologise to everyone. I said, it's a bit of a tense time. We talked about it. I'm sorry, but maybe I wasn't clear enough. Humble, 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 right? And that's what we did, right? Yeah, it's not really humble if you have to say you're humble, eh? <laughs> I was so humble in that moment, so humble, and everybody thought it too, and there was a whole humility fest going on, and we just all, we just were all so humble that day, but old things need to be chucked out, old attitudes, old mindsets, but then God needs to replace them with something, all things become new, so we've got to get some new stuff into our lives, amen, you awake still, good, lunch isn't far away, so stay with me, right? especially this middle section, trouble. So here's how we need to furnish our life. There's three ways I want to talk about briefly to furnish our life. The first way, so Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So we need to furnish our life. First point is through the way. Everybody say the way. Turn to your neighbour and say, show me the way. Show me the way. So it's Father's Day, and as a father of three boys, my job in life at the moment is to show my boys the way to go. Right? That's what I do. I show them the way. I've got to sort of point the way to go. This is where I want you to go in my lives. At the moment, they're not old enough to give me any grief, really. Right? Zane's 10, and every now and then he says some stuff that I go, you cheeky little man, come here. Right? But he's pretty good. They're all pretty good, and, but they're not, really, they're not really at the age where they're kind of like talking back and that kind of stuff. So it's kind of nice. I can say stuff, and I'm like, well, you live under my roof, son. So this is how things are going to shake down, all right? No problem if you don't want to do that, but here's where you are. But you're really influencing people in your care. You don't have to be a father to do this. You might be a coach of a sports team, a mentor in some area in life. But you all can help someone. And you all point the way to someone to say, this is where I think you need to go. Because how many know in life, a lot of people don't know where to go. They don't know who to turn to. And I pray that we can be people that they can turn to. But here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm no shepherd, right? Actual shepherd. I have no idea what to do on a farm. Many of you know James Roy, when I was driving to Rotorua with him one time, three hours, I said, right, I said, farming, just tell me, what do you do? And so for three hours, he said, right, okay, if you know James, right, let's get into it. Okay, so you got, are we talking like sheep or beef? And I'm like, just whatever animal you want to talk about, let's start talking about it. 
And I said, how do they make money? When you have a young farmer of the year, what, why? What do they do that's awesome? How do they get an award? What makes a good farmer? And we had all these conversations about farming. But what I do know about farming is shepherds pretty much, they open gates and they close gates a lot of the time. Right? True. True. And so you have a whole bunch of sheep that they open the gate and they go, hey, sheep, right? We're going over here now through that gate. The sheep are right? And they go into a new paddock and they're like, oh my gosh, you never told me. This is like inches high and yet you had us in that paddock for how long? Eating what? Dirt? And so here's this new grass. And they're like, this is the best thing ever. And the shepherd points the way for the sheep to go, right? Why? Because the shepherd knows that you can't eat anymore here. I'm leading you through this gate to go into this one. That's what Jesus does to our lives. He says, just follow me. Why? Because I know how to feed you. I know what you need. And so he is the way. He is the way to go. You can't do it without him. He's the narrow road. He is the way to get access to God. And so that's what he does. He shows them where to get food. Here, uh, Zane and uh, my oldest boy, Zane, I talk to boys my boys about tithing and uh, they get a bit of pocket money. And so often on Sundays, they'll, they'll come in and they'll have to prepare their 10% and they'll want to give it. And uh, Zane, Zane got $20 from, I think it was a grandparent or someone, and he had a $20 note. And I must have a lot of money, son. And I said, so you're going to tithe $2? You know, and uh, he worked out $2 was indeed 10% right, of the 20, and he said, yep, I'm going to do that, and I said, cool, and no, he didn't say that, sorry, he actually said, no, I'm going to give the whole 20, and I said, that's a lot of money, do you really want to give the whole $20, I, taught, I showed him the way about tithing, and yet I'm like trying to hold him back now to go, whoa, 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 that's 20 bucks, bud, you could put the rest in the bank, $18, and he's like, says to me, dad, you told me what it is to trust God, and now you're saying don't trust him? And I was like, ouch, <laughs> who are you to say that little man, <laughs> right? And so that day he gave $20 because he said, no, I trust God with this. That's what you taught me. And did. Why? Because I'd showed him the way. I said, this is what dad does. And I said, we've always been looked after by God. And this year with our tax, our IRD took so long to give us our tax, our rebate back. And I rung them and I said, can somebody tell me why it's three months and we still don't have it back? And then the accountant talked to my wife Fiona and said, you realise how much money you guys are giving away? And then he says, with all kind of sincerity, are you guys okay? <laughs> like, have you got food? We're like, yeah. And he's like, well, I look at the number. How are you making life work? Don't you love that? What a cool question to ask. I'm like, ah, great question, Mr. Accountant. Here's how it all works. But again, we're trying to show people the way. This is how God works. What is it that someone said? We're simply one beggar telling another beggar where to get food. I think that's what Christianity is. In John 10, 27, listen to this. It says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I know them and they follow me. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. Actually, they do. Because they trust the shepherd. Why? Because the shepherd opens a gate and says, There's food over here, so come over here now. You'll be fed. That's what it is about Jesus. Does He know your voice? Do you know His voice? Right? Often we're like, oh, direction in life, I don't feel like I hear from God. It's because you've got to talk to Him, <laughs> right? When my wife rings me on the phone, I don't go, sorry, Fiona, who? Oh, my wife, sorry, it is you, dear, yeah. 
Because for 20 odd years, I know the sound of her voice. Why? Because we hang out and we talk about life and I know her voice. God rings, it's like, God of the who? Uh, the God, right, right. So the way, it represents a relationship that we can have with Jesus. A relationship, I believe the way is a relationship. It's all about relationship. In Psalm 8 too, I love uh, Jesus provide here a biblical basis for letting these children in the Scripture praise Him. Hosanna, Son of David. And in Psalm 8 too, He's pointing to this verse. It says, Nursing infants gurgle choruses about you. Toddlers shout the songs that drown out enemy talk and silence atheist babble. I love that. I love how kids praising God, kids giving 20 bucks. When we say, well, really, you just need to give two and you can fulfill the law, right? And he's like, what if I want to give more? Because I do that. But sometimes, isn't it funny in church life that we kind of, now the gospel says kind of to lay down your life for this cause. And we've done it. And yet we don't expect other people are going to do it, right? We've done it. And yet when we put the demand on somebody else, they're like, we're kind of like, oh, but you don't have to, but you've done it. I was once lost and now I see. I was blind and now I see. That was me. And so we, need, we can put a tap on the shoulder on people and say, hey, come on. There's only one life you've got to live, but let's live it for this cause. Amen. Religion can never be the way. Doing can never be the way. Mike said it before, that actually we just need to be at the feet of Jesus. There's always going to be pots to scrub, <laughs> Martha, yeah? There's always going to be pots to scrub. But come on, when Jesus wants to talk to us, come on, let's sit at His feet. So let Jesus show you the way. So everyone say the way. The second thing is say the truth. The truth, it's the truth that shall set you free. The truth. Uh, my second son, Seth, so is seven and... He, he, he was running around the house as the boys are prone to do. You know, often it's just like, as they're racing around the place. And he whacked, his, he whacked his ankle, the bone of his ankle on the side of the door, just like, boom, scone, like, ah, went down like a heap, like he'd been shot. You know, and he was sort of down the hallway on his hands and knees, commando crawling. And that night he was sort of complaining, oh, Dad, is so sore. I mean, it's like his Achilles went, you know, it was that bad. And I said, oh, you'll be okay, son. We're going to pray about it. Prayed and said, does it feel any better? He goes, a little bit, but yeah, no, no, it's still very sore. Okay, well, we'll see how you are in the morning, right? So the morning comes around and, uh, and I, I hear this down the hallway. And I'm like, oh gosh, here we go again. I mean, it's not like, it wasn't a ligament thing. It's just he whacked his bone. I know it's sore. And I sat him down and Fee was like, oh, Jake, I've got to go to work. And I'm like, Love, I said, I'll deal with this. <laughs> you go, I'll deal with this. This boy's going to know some truth. So I sat him down and I said, I said, Seth, I said, here's what you need to know. I said, the truth of the matter is that you're going to go to school today. That's the truth. Right? Right? That's the truth. I didn't do that, but for you guys I did. But that's the truth. I said, that's going to happen. Whatever we talk about, I said, that's going to happen. You need to know that. I said, you can call me at school. You can, but I said, that's the truth. I eyeballed him. I felt like a real dad. Like, no, oh, I could do this. And then half an hour later, he's like, oh, dad, it actually feels really good now. It's actually fine. I can totally go to school now. But at the time, how many know the truth hurts? It's the stuff that you don't want to hear. 
You don't want to hear the truth. The truth of the gospel is pretty confronting. I think things that I shouldn't think. I do things that I shouldn't do. I say things that I shouldn't say. Right? Paul says it. There's things that I know I should do that I don't do. So the, the truth can be quite confronting. And isn't it interesting that the temple leaders, they, they had seen, so two things happened. The temple leaders had seen the miracles that Jesus did. They'd seen it and they were concerned about it. In fact, let's go to the top. We're going to read it. So in verse 15, when the religious leaders saw the outrageous things he was doing and heard all the children running, so they'd seen the miracles and they'd heard the kids running around shouting Hosanna to David's son. They were up in arms and they took him to task. And, and then what did they say? They had no issue with the healing. They didn't point to the fact that Jesus healed because the truth was Jesus heals. That's truth. But what did they say? Oh, they said, um, do you hear what these children are saying? So the issue that they had was not that Jesus heals but they decided to pick on the fact that actually those children are being very loud in church. It's like us coming into church today and, and someone who's literally fallen dead and is raised to life. And then someone comes up and goes, man, great service. But man, those kids were so annoying. You could hear them at the back. And we're like, hang on, <laughs> hang on a second. Someone was raised to life in church. Someone's bone has gone back in a joint. Somebody was set free from, from oppression and depression that's been affecting them for years. And yet the kids' church was a little loud today. And it was sort of interrupting my praise. Right? Oh, sorry if I have to go there with that one. Is that, you know, that's what we're sort of talking about. It was so ridiculous. But the truth is, the truth, the truth of the matter is that Jesus heals. The truth is that when I was 17, I had a cardiac arrest, mowing lawns with my father. I'll talk about this more tonight. A whole bunch of people prayed, the funeral was kind of being prepared, and all of a sudden I came literally back to life. That's the truth. So I know the truth. I know I've got a second chance. I know why I'm here, which is why I think I speak with such passion, because I know that God's given me a chance. How can we live a life knowing that we've only got one shot? We may not have a second chance at this, right? That's the truth. But what are we smokescreened with in life? What are the causes that we go after that actually are a smokescreen for the bigger issue in your life? Because there's truth, there's stuff that we don't kind of want to deal with. But there's other things that we go, yeah, but what about that? Sometimes the truth is, oh, there's actually, I'm being confronted by something, but what about that guy? He's way worse than me. This poor friend on the end here I'm pointing to, <laughs> right? He's a bad man. I'm not. I do some bad things, but he's way worse. And it's a smokescreen for really what's going on in our lives. In fact, often, man, you hear it with preachers, they go after sometimes the very things that have been affecting them in their own life, right? You can go after stuff, and if you preach about money, and you're saying, you guys need to give, and you guys, and you come on top of people, you realise actually there's an issue with them with money. So anyway, that's by the by. But there's children dancing before the Lord. I love the fact that, that come on, that's the truth of the matter. They knew, in fact, they knew the truth. They knew this was a messianic scripture, a scripture about Jesus that was in the Old Testament. So the kids knew the truth. They weren't shouting to God because every single translation says they were shouting to the son of David. They knew this was Jesus who was in David's, King David's royal line. They knew the truth of the scripture. Man, bring your kids up in church. If you got them, bring them up in church. Let them sleep. My little guy slept through most of my sermon this morning. It was that bad. So boring, Dad. Oh my gosh, get me out of here. He keeps saying, when can I go home so I can play in his Batman game? 
I'm like, we're having fun here. Look at this. He doesn't care. Have you furnished your house with the truth of God's Word? Come on, what's a smokescreen in your life? What's become something that you've got so affected with, but really it's actually a bigger issue going on in your world? Are there little foxes that are ruining your vineyard, running around, tearing things up? We've got to be not distracted by the confusion that the enemy would bring, but furnish our life on the truth of who Jesus is. Amen? Come on, Jesus is the truth, God's truth. And finally, the band can come up. We're just about finished. We're going to talk about the life, the life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The meaning of this word, uh, this, this, this word zoe, is, is it's a real and a genuine life. It's an authentic life. I love that word authenticity. I love it. Because I believe the reason why maybe churches aren't growing around the world is because the Christians are saying one thing and doing another. We know that happens. And all of a sudden, the whole of Christianity can be blanketed with, yeah, but you guys don't even do the things that you're supposed to do. Do you know what my answer is to that? Yeah, totally. Yep, that's absolutely true. We can't measure up either. Us saved ones still can't measure up. And they say, well, if you can't, then what's the point? Well, the point is that Jesus can and did and did it for us. That's the life that's found in Jesus. That's why I get so passionate about who He is because I I know my own failings. I know that I can't measure up. I know that I'm not perfect. I think the best part about me is the fact that I'm never the smartest person in the room. And I know it. And I think, who can do this better than I can? When I'm preaching, I think, who says this better than me? And I research it because I realise that the stuff that I can do that I'm good at, but my team in Napier, I've got a great team of people. And then there's the life that's contained in Jesus is a genuine, authentic life. And I think we've got to say to people out there in this world is that, hey, we don't know either. But we can point you to one that does know the way. He is the truth and He is the life. There's life contained in Him. This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't like Aesop's fables. This isn't, is it Icarus? <laughs> I'm trying to think back to when I was really little. This isn't a fable that we read about that we go, oh man, that was such a good story. This is real, authentic faith. You see, it's often said that people admire your strengths, but they really identify with your weaknesses. That's why I love getting up here and saying, yeah, I'm not perfect either. I think people can, people, how often do they leave church by going, well, I got, my pastor said something or there was something that happened and it's like we throw everything out and it's like, yeah, we're all just as busted as you. Sometimes it's like you're a teacher, you feel like you're sort of just one step ahead of your class and when you're teaching stuff, it's stuff that you've researched yourself and you've gone on a journey with and we often preach out of our own insecurities because this is stuff that we're kind of working out too. There's no difference with standing here with a mic or sitting in a seat you still got stuff that you're working through, right? Still got stuff that we're dealing with. We still go home with ourselves at night and lay in our bed and go, how are we doing with life? How are we doing? How are we coping? Our nation's not coping that well. The Hawks Bay is coping terribly. Youth suicide rates in the Bay are terrible. And people aren't coping. If I got a chance to think about my life, if I thought about all the things I'm involved in, I, I, I don't know. I think I'd be like, wow, there's a lot going on here. My wife's doing a PhD. 
She finishes in December the 15th. She's the smartest person I know, the most beautiful. Three kids, she's working three days at the hospital, doing all these things, and she has to finish on the 15th of December. So our life kind of starts again on the 16th of December. And everything we talk about, oh, that'd be a great movie. Yeah, let's watch it on the 16th of December. But life is so full on. It's just crazy that we can be in two different places doing our thing, and yet God makes it work. And I want to talk a bit more about that tonight. But man, I love what I get to do because I know that I'm in the right place. I know that when I go home at night, I'm doing the thing that God has called me to do. There's so much fulfilment in that. I love my friend Viv at the back, that a lot of study, then later on in life just goes, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do this. Retraining. I think it's brilliant. Is it hard? Yeah, I imagine it is. Going back and being a student when you're the age that you are. <laughs> but come on, there's one life to live, right? We're all learning. We're all figuring stuff out. In Philippians 1, 9, 11, in the message again, it says this, so this is my prayer. See, this is the authentic faith, the authentic love that I really feel that God's talking about, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Don't just love much, but love well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Don't just say someone's awesome. Tell them why they're awesome. Let's just not throw out words. What have they done that's, that's been just so amazing? Think, be specific in your praise to people. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary. A life Jesus will be proud of, bountiful in fruits in the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everybody involved in the glory and praise of God. That's so cool. We need to furnish our life with the way. We've got to point the way to people. This is the way to go. Why? Because I've been there and I've been fed. And I live a full life and I love the fact that nothing else can fulfill the longing in my heart like Jesus can. Come on, how many know there's truth found in His Word? Live, furnish your life with the truth of God's Word. He is who He said He is. The whole of the Gospel depends upon it. You've got to figure out whether you think He's a liar or a lunatic, this Jesus that we talk about. I know in my life that He's the Son of God. I can testify to it because He's changed me like nothing else. And then come on, furnish your life with life. Furnish your house with life. Live in relationship with people, with God. Allow Him to change you. Say to your friends who have issues with Christianity, yes, so do I. I do too. I hate religion. I hate it with every fibre of my being. It's demonic. Maybe a little far. But the, the, the nature of having to do to try and be is just not of God. And if anybody starts saying it, forget it. You don't come into church and then go, oh, God loves me more today because I'm here. It doesn't work like that. He loves you, period. Loves you anyway. These are the things we need to finish our life with. And as we do that, we what we create room for God to move. Come on, as we do that, we create room. We've always got room for one more person in our life. Can I say that? Your home is there not just for you, but get people that you don't know into your life. Why? Because it's awesome. Because life is so fascinating. Life is so interesting. And we need to live life with people. We need to love God and love people. And that's all we're called to do. Amen. How about you close your eyes?
Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.